Hello, I'm Bradley Hayes and I'm an FYT doctor working in South East London. And welcome to the Class of Corona, a podcast for final year medical students about to start working in the NHS. We're now partnered with FDOCS, a company that's produced a lot of content for FIY1s about to start. And as always, you can get in contact with us via the links in the description below or at classofcorona2020 at gmail.com. So today's episode is on being on call. So let's get on with the podcast. So today we're going to talk about what being on call means, your responsibilities and how to prioritise jobs when you are on call. Personally, I really enjoy being on call as you can prioritise your own jobs and it's the first time I felt that I had the chance to organise my day. So I quite enjoyed it. So many people will know what being on call entails and what it means. But for those that don't, what is being on call? I think it's important to note that there's many different types of on-call shifts, depending on whether you're on medicine or surgery and, and whether you're on ward cover or you're on take, that's clocking new patients in. In the day, Monday to Friday, the day team will see their patients within their specialty or subspecialty. And then after five o'clock, when most people go home, then a ward cover doctor will take over, take handovers from numerous wards and cover those patients until the night shift starts. Um, the night shift will clearly carry that on overnight and then until the day team return in the morning. There's a slight difference at the weekend um, because it, you have reduced staffing, but you still have to maintain some kind of normality, such as ward rounds, consultant reviews, which wouldn't necessarily happen during a typical on-call. There's the classic ward cover on-call, which most people would refer to as on-call, but there's also take, post-take. So I think it's first off important, as we've said throughout this, is familiarise yourself with the different on-call shifts, what you're expected to do, and, and importantly, what patients you're looking after, which wards, which specialties, um, and, and who, who are you responsible for. So I think that was a really good summary of different types of on-calls on calls tend to be 12-hour shifts and they will generally start in the morning or in the evening with a handover where everyone gets together in a room and they discuss the patients who are unwell and what jobs need to be done in the intervening time period. So what sort of things will you be receiving as a handover as an F1? So the most important probably is um, unwell patients or deteriorating patients. The main job of any handover from day to night or from um, kind of a normal day shift to the evening shift will be flagging those patients up, um, letting you know what the situation is with them, what, what's been done for them, what investigations, what treatment's been done, and importantly, um, handing over what, what needs to happen, whether that's just another review or following up some investigations or continuing on a treatment plan that's been started. Um, if nothing else, that's what you should be getting from your handover. But there'll also be um, handing over uh, jobs and tasks that are, out, that are outstanding. So if, it, if a scan's been performed but it hasn't been reported yet, someone needs to be aware of that, needs to check up on that. Likewise, if blood tests have been sent off, um, often they'll come down to the on-call doctor to keep an eye out for those results and act on them if required. Um, but generally, you're just trying to focus on the, getting the information that you need to be able to create your list of jobs and know what you actually need to do in the next few hours. No, we've talked about it before, but say you're being asked to check bloods or a job result, um, uh, investigation result, is to say, if this happens, if this result is abnormal, what do you want me to do? Uh, because it's the day team, it's the person who's been dealing with them throughout the day 
that's going to know best what the correct management option is based on all of those results. And it's something that I found can often get lost during handover. Very simple. I think I've tried to stress this wherever possible is know where your, where your handover is or where you, where you meet or where you're supposed to report to for your on-call. Know which bleep you're carrying um, and, and who is in your immediate team, who, who you need to escalate to. Um, but also try and have a, an idea of what other on-call teams are around. Some specialty, specialty teams will offer a service, some won't out of hours. Um, some uh, will be consultant only, some will have a resident registrar. You know, there's lots of different forms they can, that can take. Um, but there will be various different on-call teams within the hospital. And sometimes you will get bleeped by mistake about a patient who uh, is being looked after by a different team. And you need to be able to redirect that person to the, to the right bleep holder uh, as to not overwhelm yourself. And make sure you do redirect that to the correct team because A, um, you know, it should be the correct team looking after their patients. But B, if you, if you start doing jobs for other people, then you will just start getting overwhelmed. So you've received a list of jobs to do for your handover. How do you guys go about prioritizing those jobs? So often, often the jobs will clearly have an urgency label to them in, in, in your head. So if patients are unwell and you've been asked to review them, you need to be asking when was their last review, when would you like me to review them? If, if it's a, a question of, oh, I've j literally just come from there, I've started some treatment, can you review them in a few hours? Then you know what time frame you, you kind of have and, and what you're dealing with. Likewise, the things to chase, like Andrew was saying, blood tests, CT, CT results, etc. Um, they're all things that you can do from remotely from any computer, so you can keep an eye on on those. You don't have to do them necessarily straight away but throughout your your shift you can just keep an eye on it and, and, and tick them off once you you start getting those results back and um, so things i like to do is is look at my list and and kind of prioritize them in what could what do i need to do right now what what are kind of quick wins things that i can just get done and and get them out of the way um, what things are slightly more complex will require more time and and a little bit more kind of brain space that aren't necessarily easy tasks and what can I chip away at throughout the shift because it's also important that when you are on call you're covering a lot of patients and job list you have initially will only increase as you get more and more bleeps coming in so you want to work efficiently and you want to work through your list um, but you don't you don't want to be bogged down in in um, time consuming onerous tasks without getting to some of the smaller tasks as well and I think one thing to bear in mind is that sometimes on your on calls, you might start feeling a bit snowed under, your list might be piling up and you might feel like you're not getting through the jobs as quickly as you'd like. And if increasingly you're finding that you've got more and more urgent tasks that need to be done and you're thinking, I'm not physically going to be able to get all these jobs done myself, or if you're feeling a bit worried or a bit pressured, just make sure you let one of your senior colleagues know that you're getting a bit busy and that it might be you're going to need some support or a bit of help soon. Particularly, for example, at a weekend, if you're doing ward cover, often obviously there's a wider medical team, the medical registrar or some other SHOs might be down at A&E. And if they're not that busy, they might be able to spare an hour or two to come and help you on the ward. So if you're starting to feel pressured, starting to feel slowed under, or you, you can preemptively see, oh, I'm going to get really busy in the next couple of hours. I might not be able to get all this done in a time appropriate way. 
then just make sure you flag it early and then if there's any extra hands on deck they can come and help you out. And likewise you can identify certain jobs that can be done by other members of the team so if bloods need taking or if, if you know patients need cannulating etc you can you can phone the ward or go to the ward and ask the nurse nursing staff to to help you with that because you've got a, a long list to get through. So I think we've all been in situations on call where it feels like the bleat is never ending it's constantly going off you don't have time to finish a task before someone's asking you about the next one. What do you guys do to help yourself in that situation? I mean, it's easier said than done. And particularly on those days where, you know, the, the work coming in is far greater than the work that you're getting done. But keeping an organised list of jobs, or at least attempting to, is the only way that you're going to be able to juggle all of those plates. Um, you know, if you're kind of scrawling phone numbers and blood results on your arm, you know, you're going to lose that information and you're going to really struggle to, to remember that in an hour's time when you need it. Um, so making sure that you've got paper, you've got pens that have got ink in them. Every task that, you're, that you, you're given, you need to make sure that you're writing it down and you're putting with it the patient's hospital number or some sort of identifying information so that you can come back to that list and know exactly who needs what done. Um, as I say, that is easier said than done, but it just makes your life so much easier when you're trying to juggle a hundred tasks. You're never going to be able to remember them all. You're never going to be able to, to kind of flawlessly keep on top of all of that. And I think during busy on calls, if you find your like area of the hospital that you really like, like a ward, doctor's office, that you know is probably a bit quieter, you set up shop in there, um, make yourself comfortable, get your phone on charge and things like that to make it feel a lot more comfortable. I also personally like to treat myself when I'm on call coffees snacks you know <laughs> inflatable air beds <laughs> i only eat kale and apples when i'm on call as a sort of like practical piece of advice um you will find yourself at a point when you're on an on-call shift and it's say 11 30 12 o'clock and you think okay the jobs have sort of eased up i've got a natural break i could have my lunch now but no, I'll, I'll wait a bit and I'll have it a bit later on in the afternoon. Have your lunch when you can. If you get an opportunity, take advantage of it because um, the number of times that I've put off having lunch and then things have come up, someone's been unwell, loads of jobs have come in and all of a sudden it's six o'clock and I'm starving and I can't concentrate. So if you do get some downtime, you know, use it. Don't wait until it's over because you will regret it. And also 12 hour shifts are really, really long. If you get the opportunity to get some fresh air, would highly recommend, um, even if it's just five minutes, whether it's a day shift or a night shift, um, I'd always recommend going and having a blast of five minutes fresh air during a shift. It does wonders for the mind. So I think it was my takeaway message from one of the early episodes, but eat your lunch and use the toilet. Yeah, I, I, hate, I hate wetting myself on call. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you weren't going to bring that up in the podcast, Dan. <laughs> looking after yourself is, is the most important thing and it's the only way that you're going to concentrate properly on your work i just think sometimes if you are really busy and you receive one more bleep it is it's very reasonable to say do you mind i'm just in the middle of something can you bleep me back in 15 minutes because i find personally if you're being distracted constantly whilst trying to do one task you're just never going to be able to complete that task if you are struggling with your bleep, if there are problems that it, you know, the audio is not working, it's coming in and out. If you 
if you call the operator and you ask them, they are the people that are responsible for looking after the bleeps and they'll be able to direct you to the right place. And they have spare batteries, spare bleeps that they can set up in a matter of seconds. And there's the classic, if you drop your bleep down the toilet, what do you do? Don't, don't forget to wipe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, on a similar note, what can you do on Friday as the war team to help your on-call colleagues for that night and for the weekend? Yeah, so often as a, as a war doctor in the day, Friday is probably the busiest day. Um, that and Monday because you're, you're trying to prepare for the weekend and Monday you're trying to catch up from the weekend. Um, Friday you, you have your standard ward round and your standard jobs like any other day, but you also have that responsibility of preparing your patients for the weekend. Um, now, you know, on a weekend there's a re- slightly reduced service, um, not every depending on where you work, where you work and, and which department, but not everyone will get a, a standard, a review as standard on a, on a Saturday and a Sunday. Um, therefore it's your responsibility to alert the on-call team as to whether you, which patients you want reviews for, whether that's on Saturday, on Sunday, or on both days, um, what grade of doctor that review has to be, whether that can be an FY1, or an SHO or a registrar if they're, if they're very complex. And also you have to order blood tests like any other day. Um, you order blood tests at the end of your shift. However, on Friday, you not only have to put bloods out for Saturday, you also have to put bloods out for Sunday and for Monday. So you've got to be aware which patients are requiring blood tests um, on those days and, and order those specifically. So, so you've got to find out the, your hospital's system for handing these patients over, whether that's done face-to-face, whether that's done on a, on a, online somewhere on a spreadsheet. Um, but the, the information has to be there. And just finally, the, the last point is if you are trying to get patients home over the weekend, you have to have already done their um, discharge letter, their TTOs. Um, and, and you have to give the weekend team some criteria for discharge. So, for example, you have a patient who has been for an infection and pneumonia and, and, and you, you would say, I'm happy for them to, to go home if they remain afebrile and their inflammatory markers are still coming down. That would be a, a reasonable criteria for discharge. And I think it goes without saying that any investigations, be it bloods or an x-ray or anything that you've requested for that Saturday, Sunday, Monday morning, if you've requested specifically bloods for a patient over the weekend, they therefore do need to be on some sort of handover list or handover in person for someone to look at those bloods on the Saturday or the Sunday. Even if they're really simple bloods that you're expecting to be normal, they must be looked at by one of the doctors over the weekend. Yeah, and that's, that's just being proactive and, 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 uh, and making sure you're doing things, but also don't, don't forget to do things. So um, don't leave things, don't, don't leave complex tasks for the weekend team. Um, so things that should be done prior to the weekend, escalation of care discussions, DNA, R discussions, um, uh, you know, complex uh, microbiology discussions, complex specialty referrals, things that you can anticipate might need to happen. Don't leave it to an on-call team. Obviously, these things might come up over the course of the weekend, but if you can predict that they will need to happen at some point, make sure it's done before the weekend. 
And I think, I think we've talked a lot about what needs to happen. I think if you're not sure who should be on the handover list, what jobs there should be for the weekend, ask your SHO because they've been through all of it before. If they're not sure, they can ask the reg or the consultant. I think Friday, the Friday ward round is a really important one because there you're not just deciding the plan for today, but you're also deciding what the plan is for the weekend. And that's a really good time to pin your consultant down and say what exactly needs to happen. So um, I think we're going to move on now. I wanted to talk a little bit about how you guys prepare for night shifts. I know that currently the guidance is that the new FIY ones aren't going to be doing night shifts, but I thought we'd talk about it just in case and for anyone perhaps that's looking at this who's not an FIY one. So my question is, how do you prepare for a night shift? Usually I'm quite good at um, preparing for night shifts and getting my sleep spot on but I've just come off nights and I've got it completely wrong and I'm absolutely knackered so maybe I'm not the best person. (laughs) Everyone prepares for night shifts in very very different ways Um, typically you'll be on a set of either three or four night shifts so what I would say is your body clock will 100% do a 180. Is that right? Yeah Yeah. (laughs) it will be a 180 split going to night and day um so i mean personally what i tend to do is to have a good sleep in um on the day i'm starting nights because you can't be guaranteed that you definitely will sleep before your night shift so i always have a good sleep in um and then i tend to do something during the day that'll tire me out exercise for example um, and then i try and do have another little nap just before the night shift starts for at least kind of three or four hours and then the following morning um i'm a very good sleeper so i then tend to get home and crash out for at least eight hours and i think brad mentioned it on a previous um podcast but when he's on call, he treats himself. I think that goes without saying for night shifts as well. Night shifts are weird. You deserve nice things because you're awake at four in the morning. So get some nice food in. Make sure your fridge is full of all your favourite things before you do the night so you haven't got to go during the day. Um, and make sure that you've got lots of nice things that you can enjoy at the end of your stretch of nights as well. The, the thing that I've, I've learned more than anything, um, having done night shifts the past two years, um, a 13-hour shift at night is not the same as a 13-hour shift in the day. Um, your circadian rhythm is disrupted um, you're completely psychologically mentally not designed to be up at that time and it will hit you harder you will be more tired you will have a lull in the middle um, I've experimented with lots of different kind of ways of preparing myself different sleep patterns a lot of it, there's a lot of kind of emerging research and data on this stuff but I think you have to find what works for you and there will be some trial and error involved in that you know, some people go try and go straight into it without much preparation. Other people have a very sort of complex sleep pattern. For me, what I found works is, um, you know, anytime I can get some sleep, that tends to help me. So I, I stop worrying about the, or oh, I can't just have a nap or I can't, um, you know, close my eyes for half an hour because I'll feel worse afterwards. I find that any sleep does help. As Laura says, making sure that all my kind of food preparation is all done in advance and I've got my fridge full and I've got kind of lunches to bring with me. Um, coffee is a slightly contentious issue. Um, the, some of the experts say that you shouldn't be using coffee at all with your night shifts. You know, I think I would rather die than not have a coffee um, at the start <laughs> of a night shift. Um, but I do, I do try not to have a coffee in the second half of my night shift because I find that much more so than in the daytime, um, it really does impact my ability to have a good sleep. 
Um, there are some really good resources if you want to look at expert consensuses and what the research kind of points to is helpful for night shifts. I know the BMA and the BMJ have lots of information about it. The Royal College of Physicians have got some documents about night shift working. Um, have a look at some of those things and again just use a bit of trial and error and find out what works best for you. I, I echo that it's all about what you know individualizing this and what works for you everyone does it slightly differently. I do a very similar approach to, to Laura but instead of sleeping in the, the night before the day before I would stay up quite late and then get a full sleep um, it kind of achieves this, a similar thing it just sets me off offsets me a little bit um, and then similar to what Andrew's saying um, uh, make sure I have lunches to bring in whether that's you know a nice sandwich on some nice bread with you know my favorite filling or whether I'm, I'm cooking and bringing that in and warming warming it up I think that's very important because you do want something to look forward to in the middle of the night night you know night's tough um not there's not much hospital food around there are vending machines and and some options around but it's not terribly enticing um so have some nice food to keep you going what would you recommend for sandwiches Dan? Oh, I, I have um, cheese uh, cobs from Sainsbury's. <laughs> a dry cheese sandwich. Yeah. <laughs> it's, the, it's the nicest bread in the world. And again, other, again, other you... supermarkets are available. <laughs> yeah, we, we don't have to do that. <laughs> I tend to have, I tend to, because um, you feel a bit kind of weirdly jet lagged when you're on night. Um, so I tend to crave um, fresh fruits as well as treating myself with coffee and chocolate and all those sort of nice things. I do tend to actually also crave something fresh and crunchy. So I tend to bring fruit with me um, on most nights. And actually that's something that you don't often find on a, in, a, in a mess or in a doctor's office. You rarely find fresh food. You can tend, tend to find coffee and biscuits, but actually fresh, fresh food is really hard to come by. So I would recommend bringing apple. Apples also contain natural caffeine, so you haven't got to have a coffee. So apples are another good alternative to coffee as well. Um, and one piece of positivity is what I would say is I actually, I love night shifts, um, primarily- I love night shifts. I yeah, really love them. They're just, everyone's in a similar boat. There's a really good sense of camaraderie among a hospital, um, among hospital staff at night, because we're all in the same boat, that we're all awake at this weird time, doing different weird jobs. Um, so the spirit's pretty good. The corridors are all empty, so you actually manage to go around the hospital much faster than you normally would. Um, and the whole volume is just a bit less. It's quite a nice environment to be in. It's quite nice and quiet. And you, get, you always get a computer. You can get places much faster. I don't know. I've, I've always loved night shifts. I think they're much, much more enjoyable on average. I think a good night shift is often one of the best shifts you'll do. You know, when you're on surgical nights, often that's time where you might get more theatre opportunities. You know, when you're on A&E, you, you get, um, there's usually less volume coming through the door. And even if you start the night busy, it tends to end a bit quieter. So a good night shift can be really, can be good. And it can be some of whatever job it is you're doing, it's often that at its most distilled. It's the same with on-call shifts generally, but I find that I feel more like a doctor when I'm on call. I've got a couple of practical tips I definitely give for being on nights. It's firstly, if you live with other people, I'd make sure that they're aware that you're on night shifts when you are on them, um, just so they don't accidentally wake you up during the day, just so if they're in at the same time that you're asleep, that they just know to keep the volume down a bit more. Um, and I also tend to let my family know, just in case they call me in the middle of the day, just for a chat, and they just didn't realise you were 
asleep and is being interrupted on your sleep during the day can have a really bad impact on your then subsequent sleep. Um, so I'd say tell people that you're on nights just so you can maximise your opportunity to sleep. Um, and also on the day that you finish nights, everyone has different ways of um, how to kind of reset their body clock back to normal time. Um, my personal one is I always make sure that I, ha I have plans on the day that I finish nights that will kind of keep me awake. So whether it's going out somewhere else, it's a bit diff different at the moment, um, but making sure I have some sort of activity plan during the day to keep me awake so I don't just go straight home and straight to bed. Um, otherwise, you will ruin your sleep for the next couple of days afterwards. Um, yeah, just, just going on what Laura said. So um, with the telling the family to not call you, I just turn my phone off do not, on do not disturb so I, I get a good sleep and I wake up to whatever messages and calls that I've missed and just deal with that in, in the morning. Um, I, uh, I, I've invested in nice eye mask and blackout blinds, which I think helps massively um, to, to, to make sure you have a, good night, a really good night's sleep. And then I actually do something slightly different to Laura when she comes off nights. And this is the hardest part of the whole run of nights is I go to bed for four or five hours and then force myself to wake up. And it's exhausting. But you wake up at kind of lunchtime, early afternoon, um, you have a, a normal afternoon and evening and go to bed at a reasonable hour and that resets my body clock back to normal. If you snooze your alarm, you're in, you're in a bit of trouble. And you, you'll, you'll try all these different things. You'll see what works for you. I mean, as we've kind of said before, we're not experts on this, but these are the things that work well for us. Thank you so much. Once again, I think it's been a really good conversation today. And thank you for listening.